0: Our scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 8, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 8, beginning of verse 40. Luke chapter 8 beginning of verse 40. Where Luke writes. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. For they were all waiting for him just then there came a man named jairus a leader of the synagogue he fell at jesus feet and begged him to come to his house for he had an only daughter about 12 years old who was dying as he went the crowds pressed in on him now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years and though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his clothes. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. For I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher any longer. When Jesus heard this, he replied, Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be saved. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. They were all weeping and wailing for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and called out, Child, get up. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and then he directed them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Luke tells us the story of two very desperate people who needed Jesus. Jesus had been on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is in the northern part of Israel, but it's not really a sea. It's more like a lake. Actually, you can see all the way across to the other side. Jesus had been on the other side for a while, and you might remember the story about how he cast out the demons into the swine, and the swine ran into the sea. And Jesus had now come back to the opposite side of the sea, or of the lake, and the crowds were waiting for him. Luke makes it clear they were excited to see Jesus come. Crowds of people gathering together, wanting to see Jesus. Why? They had, they had heard of some of the things that he had done. Some of them had probably witnessed a miracle. They had heard of his teaching. The crowds wanted just to kind of see what's going to happen. They they wanted to just hear every word that Jesus was saying. And and maybe Jesus will do something really interesting today. So while the crowds are there all together pressing in on him, a man comes and falls down at Jesus' feet. Who was it? Jairus. Many of the people knew Jairus because he was the leader of the synagogue. Actually, some translations tell you that that he was the president of the synagogue. He was the one to make sure that that the place where the people of God would join together to study the scriptures, to sing and to pray, that everything was in place, that everything was in order so that the people of God could enter into the presence of God and, and, and be able to worship and grow in their faith. Jairus, we all know Jairus. He falls down at the feet of Jesus and he is desperate. His daughter, his only daughter, at 12 years of age, is dying. 12 years of age in biblical times especially, but in the Jewish faith, is is such a critical age because well, that's the age when a little girl goes from being a, a child to becoming a woman. That was the age when she would have her bat mitzvah. That was the age where there would be this great celebration and she would take on her faith for herself and enter that covenant community of God on her own. As an adult. One who believes and has accepted that faith for herself. But this 12-year-old, this little girl, she's dying. And Jairus, her father falls down at Jesus' feet like any father would, desperate for help. And Jesus, please, I need you. I need you to come to my house right now. My little girl, my only little girl, she's dying. Jesus, I need you. You It's at a time like this that status doesn't really mean much because Jairus didn't send somebody else to Jesus saying, go tell Jesus that the president of the synagogue needs it. And he doesn't come up to Jesus and go, you know me, I'm the one who greets you at the synagogue. I need your help. None of that matters at a time like this. He just fell down at Jesus' feet, tears in his eyes, and begged, Jesus, please, my little girl, please come to my house. And Jesus agrees. So they start moving toward Jairus' house. You can imagine the crowds are around. They had hoped that they would get to see something. They hoped that they would get to hear something amazing. And and, and now you just you just heard the news. Come on, let's go, let's go. We're going to J-. his his little girl's dying, and, and Jesus said he would go. Let's go see what happens. Let's go, come on, let's go. And so they're beginning to move, and the crowds are bumping and pressing in. Luke wants you to know they're all bumping into him, pressing around on Jesus as he's trying to get there. And Well, there was a lady in the crowd who was violating the law by even being there. Because, you see, she had been bleeding for the last 12 years. And the challenge of that is, according to Leviticus chapter 15, verse 25 to 31, if you get a chance, I know that Leviticus is one of those books that we all gravitate to, going, I think I'll just read Leviticus today. If you get a chance to read Leviticus, you'll actually see that when someone was bleeding, going through that time in their life, that, that for that while they were considered to be unclean. That during that time they, they were not allowed to, to be with other people. They were not allowed to, to touch other ones. But during that time that you were considered unclean, anything you touched was considered unclean. You can't sit there. She sat there. Any one that she touched was considered unclean. So during that time, you wouldn't be able to embrace or be embraced. This poor lady had been suffering for 12 years. The entire time that Jairus' daughter had been alive, this lady has been suffering. Imagine for the last 12 years she couldn't join with the body of God, the people of God to worship. For the last 12 years, anything she touched was considered unclean. For the last 12 years, anyone she touched considered unclean. Imagine We don't know much about this lady. We're not told much at all, other than the fact that there was a woman in the crowd. But wonder if she was a mother. If she was, imagine what that would be like. Not being able to embrace your own child, watching them grow for the last 12 years, but from a distance. That yearning deep inside when they cried to be able to pick them up, but you can't be the one, not now. It it, it helps us maybe understand why this lady had spent every dime she had over the last 12 years. She's now broke. She's busted. We're told she's now poor because she had spent every penny she had trying to get help. Desperate for help. Physician after physician trying to do all that they could do, but for some reason just couldn't find a cure for her. She's now desperate. And she hears Jesus is in town. She joins the crowd, but for a different reason. Not just to observe. Not just to overhear. Not just to watch something that Jesus may do in someone else's life. She's there because she needs Jesus to touch her. As a matter of fact, she had incredible faith. Some of the other Gospels tell the story. But Luke says, you know, she just wanted to touch the fringe. If I could just touch the fringe of his garment. Now, I want you to catch something about the fringe. One of the things we're working on in our disciple Bible study right now is we're going through the Old Testament. and. And one of the reasons is is because there's so much of the New Testament that you can't really fully understand until you've kind of read the Old Testament to to grab some of that. And and, and if you read Numbers chapter 15, it's another one of those books that you gravitate to. Numbers chapter 15 tells you about the fringe. And a a devout Jew, every day when they would get up, would put on the fringe. You were told that that there would be four cords that you would wear on the fringe four corners of your garment and, and on the cords and in the cords there would actually be woven into it a blue cord inside the white cord and and that's because inside the tabernacle in the old testament that symbolic presence of god that would follow the people the color of the inside of the tabernacle was blue And the cord that you put on was a reminder. Numbers 15 tells you that the cord or the fringe is actually a reminder that you're a child of God. That you belong to the family of God. That you're in covenant with God. It's like sometimes when some of us wear crosses around our necks, and and even though the cross is inside our shirt and no one else may know, when we put it on, it's that reminder that I'm a child of God. It's a reminder when you would put on the cord. And if you go to Israel today, you will see the Orthodox Jews. They have the, the cords hanging out. And, and sometimes when you see the Jews practicing in America today, uh, one of our friends is a Messianic Jew, and, and he wears the cords hanging out. And, and it's a reminder. I'm a person of God. And when I put it on in the morning, I'm to be reminded. The way I live my life today should reflect that I belong to God. The way I treat my family today should reflect that I belong to God. This is a reminder. I am a child of God. The way I do my business today should reflect that I am a child of God because I'm I'm wearing this to remind me I'm in a covenant relationship with God and I will live as God wants me to live. And I will act the way God wants me to act. Jesus is wearing the fringe. He's wearing that garment that says, I am a person of God. And so when the lady says, if I can just touch the fringe, it's a little bit more than saying, if I can just grab his coat sleeve, if I can just brush up against him somehow, but rather when she says, I want to touch the fringe, that's the sign of his faith. That's the sign that this is a man of God. And if I can just touch the sign of his faith, I believe I'll be healed. And so she works her way through the crowd, violating the law because she's bumping and touching people all the way through. And I'm sure she's praying, God, this better work because I'm violating your covenant all the way through. And she's bumping. Excuse me, pardon me. Because imagine, the crowds are all following. They're heading to Jairus' house to be able to see what happens. And this lady's sneaking her way through, and she's coming up behind Jesus because she really doesn't want to interfere with Jesus. She really doesn't want to draw attention to it. She just has this faith, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, that's all I need. If I can touch the fringe, I'll be healed. She's working her way through, and imagine, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. And don't you imagine there were some people in the crowd going, hey, lady." Right? I mean, because not everybody that follows Jesus acts like they follow Jesus. And so just imagine there are some people that are probably yelling at her going, what are you doing? Hey, look out. Hey, what are you doing? Back up, lady. And she's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry working her way. She's not going to be held back, though. This is my shot. This is my, my only hope. Is to touch Jesus all I got and she works her way through and she gets up behind Jesus and she touches the fringe and immediately she's healed and for a second there's that awesome joy until Jesus stopped you know he stops and he goes Who touched me? Someone touched me. And you know she's panicked. How do we know that? Because Luke says, all denied it. That included her. Like, who touched me? Because she doesn't know. How's he going to react? What's he going to say? And When nobody says anything, but all deny it, then Peter, and we know it's going to be Peter because Peter's the one who cannot stand silence. Peter speaks up and he goes, "Um, Jesus, um, there are crowds around us. People have been bumping into you the whole time. People have been touching you the whole time. All the way here, people have been bumping into you and touching you. What do you mean somebody touched you? Somebody's touching all of us. And Jesus said, yeah, but... Somebody touch me with faith. Now, I think that's an important point of the scripture we need to hear. A lot of people are in the presence of Jesus and actually bump up against Jesus. And nothing happens. But the one who touched Jesus in faith, now they receive the healing. Being in the presence of Jesus is not all it takes. Because a lot of people were in the presence of Jesus. And even bumped up against Jesus. But one touched him with faith, and Jesus knew it. He said, I felt the power leave from me. And this lady comes up, and now she's trembling. And she falls down before Jesus. And catch what happens. Luke makes it clear that in the presence of everybody, she tells everybody, everybody, let me tell you why I did this. Let me tell you why I touched him. And she gave what we often refer to today as her testimony. Let me tell you what my life was like before I felt the touch of Jesus. And let me tell you what happened as soon as I touched Jesus. That's a testimony. She gave her testimony to the whole crowd. For the last 12 years, this was my life. For the last 12 years, I I was like a leper who was ostracized off to the disc. For the last 12 years, nobody wanted to be near me. For the last 12 years, this crowd wouldn't get near near me if they had to. For the last 12 years, I couldn't embrace my own family. For the last 12 years, I couldn't worship with the people of God and the house of God. For the last 12 years... My life has been miserable. And I knew I'd heard about this Jesus. And I knew if I could just touch the fringe, if I could just touch the sign of his faith even, that would be enough. And Jesus looked at her and said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Often wondered why did Jesus point her out like that? I mean, she obviously came up behind Jesus, not trying to make it a big deal. And Jesus kind of calls her out in front of everybody and, and it makes you wonder why. I mean, there are some things that if we have going on in our lives, we're okay to talk about it. We're going, yeah, I got to have a rotator cuff surgery done. We're not embarrassed to talk about that at all. We go, yeah, this shoulder is uh, back when I played pro football. <sighs> or, junior high, I mean, middle school football. (laughs) You know, we're not afraid to talk about, yeah, my knee's out, i got to have my knee replaced, my hip's out, i got to have my hip replaced. But there are some things that are a little more private, some things that are a little more personal, we don't want to talk about them, so we go, yeah, I just had a little procedure done. We don't really talk about it a lot. This is one of those that you probably wouldn't want to talk about a lot. I mean, this is something that the lady probably did not want to have to tell everybody. Let me tell you what I've gone through. But Jesus caught her out. Why? Well, started thinking about it that for the last 12 years, this crowd and community all around her had ostracized her. And once you were healed, you had to go present yourself to the priest, and the priest would declare you clean. But then after 12 years, I mean, who's going to take a chance? Did you hear that so-and-so was pronounced clean? Yeah, I'm still going to stay away just in case. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. But she's not coming to my house for Thanksgiving. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure I want to go there yet. I mean, I just can't take the chance. I think maybe Jesus calling her out was an act of grace as well because the people wanted to see God's power at work and so he was able to go you know a bunch of you have been rubbing up against me all day and nothing happened because you were here as observers she was here as a participant she touched me with faith she is now healed you can embrace her now because she has been healed about that time, you know, Jairus is, is kind of on edge. Jairus was a great man, as we know. He was the, the president of the synagogue. He was a man of God, a man of faith. And, and I imagine it was a tear in his eye because he just witnessed an amazing miracle of God. But his daughter, the whole reason he was there was because of his daughter. So he's was going like, ma'am, I am so happy for you. Praise God. I'm glad, you know, bless you. I, I, I hope, you know, oh, you got such a beautiful kid there. Oh, that is amazing. Congratulations, Jesus. Let's go. We need to go. Jesus, come on. Come on, my daughter. But then he gets the word. The word that no parent wants to get. He gets the word. Here's the word. You don't need to bother him any longer. That's the word. Why? Because your daughter has died. You don't need to bother him. I find that interesting. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of John chapter 11 with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Remember that story in John chapter 11? Jesus was very close friends with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was in Jerusalem and was going to spend the night, He tended to, to go outside the city of Jerusalem. You go out to Jerusalem, you go down across the Kidron Valley, up around the Mount of Olives, and cross over the hillside. And just just beyond the, the hillside is, is another little village. And that's where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. And so the only night that we really know that Jesus spent in Jerusalem was the night when He was arrested before His crucifixion. But other than that, He... He typically stayed at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That kind of people. You know, the kind of people that you go, you're not staying in a hotel. You're staying with us. That kind of relationship. You're one of us. You're family. You're staying here. John chapter 11, though, Lazarus dies. It's four days before Jesus gets there. It was believed that the Spirit hovered over the body for three. But on the fourth day, you knew they're dead. And Jesus arrives. His two best friends, two of his best friends, Mary and Martha, come out to meet him separate times, but they said the same thing. You know what they said? They said this. Well, if you'd have been here earlier, he wouldn't have died. Wow. That's what he said. I mean, just look it up. If you'd have got here on time, if you'd have been here just a little bit earlier, this would never have happened. They didn't say. His, some of his best friends, people that he broke bread at their table. People that he had spent the night in their home, they did not come up and go, thank God you're here. Thank God you're here. No. Why? Because we believe that you could have handled it when he was sick, but now that he's dead, this is beyond even you. That's what they thought. What was the message to Jairus? You don't need to bother him any longer. He might have been able to do something while she was sick, but now she's dead. This is beyond even him. Did you catch that? This is beyond even him. And Jesus looks at him and says, Well, don't, don't fear, but believe. I mean, didn't you just see what happened with this lady? I mean, you got to have a little faith. So he goes to the home. When he arrives at the home, the professional mourners are there. Because it was believed in biblical times that One of the ways you showed tribute to someone you loved when they passed away was that you hired mourners to come and cry. And it was believed that the more people you had there crying, the more honor and respect you were showing. I mean, can you imagine doing that for a living? What do you do for a living? Professional mourner. Matter of fact, I got a service at three. And another one on Tuesday. You know, I'm going to have to go get some of those, uh, some visine to get me through this. The mourners are there. They're crying up a storm. And Jesus says, don't weep. She's just sleeping. What did they do? You need to catch this. What did they do to Jesus? They laughed at him. He's too late. And he's a nut. They laughed at him. But Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. Mom and dad goes into the room. And here's this little girl that he takes her precious little 12-year-old hand in his hand. And he looks at this precious little girl with love and compassion. And he says, child, get up. And she comes back to life. And Jesus said to them, give her something to eat. Now doesn't that just sound crazy? She just woke up and you're going, now go fix your breakfast. Why? It wasn't for her. Jesus does the same thing if you go to the end of Luke. You'll see it after the resurrection. On his way, on the walk to Emmaus, he eats with the disciples that are there. Why? Because spirits and ghosts do not eat. It validates the resurrection. Give her something to eat. It wasn't because she was hungry. It's for all the people outside laughing. Give her something to eat. It'll validate that she's alive. I love these stories because the one, it makes me remember I'm part of a crowd. You're here today. you probably bumped elbows with somebody many of us are here today because we hope to hear a word from Jesus. Maybe get to witness God do something in somebody's life. Maybe get to overhear something that Jesus has to say. Some of us are here as observers. We just want to kind of, from a distance, check it out. Others of us are here today because we desperately need Jesus. And we're not here to observe, but we're here as participants. I'm not hoping to see what he does somewhere else. I just, I need him right now for me. In my life. For some of us, we've been dealing with stuff for like 12 years. Or longer. For some of us, it may be physical. For some of us, it may be spiritual. Deep inside, I've been wrestling. For some of us, it may be our marriage is in a crisis. It may be, I love my kids, but I tell you what, they're about to take me to the edge. For some of us it may be. How do I deal with these pressures that are going on in my life? For some of us, who knows what it might be, we just feel like if if and if I could just show up today and touch the fringe. I just I just need to touch the fringe today. And for some of us, we're not here for us. We're here for somebody else, like Jairus. I love this person more than anything, and they need your touch. They need your touch. And I'm falling at your feet for them. Maybe that's why we're here. And, and while we're here, when we hear some of the things that Jesus can do, some people may laugh. But Jesus said, You just got to believe. And what I want us to hear is this, too, that there were a lot of people there who touched Jesus but didn't experience a thing because they didn't expect to, and they got what they expected. But then there was a lady. She touched Jesus with faith. And finally, after 12 years, immediately healed. There are some of us that are thinking, well, I know Jesus can handle a lot of things, but what I'm dealing with may be beyond Jesus. You don't need to bother the teacher any longer. But Jesus says, don't fear. Have some faith. The woman gave her testimony. Here was my life before And since Jesus touched me, I've been healed. What do you need Jesus to do for you today? And are we here as observers? Or are we here to be participants? And allow God to make a difference in our lives. Right here. Right now. Will you pray with me? God's stories of faith are nice to overhear. Having faith to where I'm the participant, well, that's a different story. But God, we know that in the crowd that's here right now, there are some of us that really need you to touch. Or if we could just touch your fringe. We know that you can heal us. So God, we pray that you would be with each one at their point of need today. You know what it is. You know what's going on in hearts and lives. And you know the ones that may laugh a little until you feed us and they see the miracle. So God, we pray that you would reach out your hand today. And touch and allow us to reach out our hand and touch you and be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our altar is always open and.